I remember many moons ago having similar jostles with doors with oh, my, yes. uh, my siblings Definitely. as well. And in comparison, that was shit. The thing is, the doors to our rooms, Chris, weren't made of plywood. Like, uh, <laughs> stage doors are. It's difficult to have convincing tussle with one of those. Yeah. I remember one time, um, one time my brother Jimmy was, was trying to uh, get in yeah. my bedroom and I was just I was just like, no, stay out, stay out. Anyway, he burst in and then he, he took something that was mine. And so as he walked away, I kicked him in the arse so hard, uh, he was off school the next day. <laughs> <laughs> with a ruptured arse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he couldn't walk. It was. Uh, oh. did, did you rupture his anus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jimmy. That explains why he walks like that. And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, Extra Credit, the spin-off podcast where we steer away from the usual magical curriculum and instead we talk about something completely different. My name is Phil Dean, I'm your host and your guide through this uh, little bit of extra topic that we're going to cram into our school day. And my fellow uh, classmates to the sides of me is uh, Mr. Graham Riley to the left. Hello, Graham Riley. Um, yes, I, I'm sat at my desk, I've got my pen and my exercise book out. And I'm, I'm ready for the lesson to begin. Thank you very much, Graham, for painting the scene. Um, my uh, colleague to the right of me, my fellow classmate, is Mr Chris Evans. Hello, Chris. If you make reference to school one more time, I'm going to fucking throw you through a window, mate. The, the, the whole thing is just, just about school. He, I was trying to think He does a... come here to get away from school. <laughs> yeah, that, so, that's, uh... that's very true. This is our uh, second edition of our, uh, our interval special shows, if you will, between seasons one and two of Sabrina. The other week we did uh, Baywatch Nights, which was incredible. Incredibly peculiar, very bizarre, strange, um, confusing, uh, nauseating, lots of negative words, but ultimately we had a very good time. Now we're going from a show that was loved, adored and watched by one man alone, to a show that was loved, watched and adored by an entire generation it seems, and that is... Clarissa Explains It All. Premiered in 1991. We're in the first season today uh, with uh, the episodes we're revisiting. It was created by a gentleman by the name of Mitchell Kriegman. Um, it was the first series he'd created, but he went on to make Bear in the Big Blue House. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And something called It's a Big, Big World, which was apparently on PBS, another similar sort of like mm. puppet sort of like live action type show. Much like Jerry Anderson, he holds a patent for a style of animation right. uh, called Shadowmation, which is basically like superimposing computer images. We see a bit of it in Clarissa, like a primitive version. And anytime anybody sort of employs a similar technique, he gets money. Oh, wow. Um, he's also uh, a novelist. And uh, Chris, you may find this particularly interesting, that his first novel, which was released in 2014, unfortunately I couldn't really find much information as to sort of the, the plot or sort of why it was called this, but it was called Being Audrey Hepburn. Fucking A! <laughs> yeah. 
presumably it was yeah, it was about being a ski instructor on on Mars. You um, you have I, I'm not gonna lie, Graham. I was falling away, and now you have got my full attention. Tell me more. Especially if it's about this gentleman trying to live as Audrey Hepburn. That would be awesome. Oh, maybe. I, I yeah. I, I, <laughs> Wait, I, I, do, do you reckon they could make it into a film like they did with being John Malkovich? <laughs> maybe. 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 <laughs> oh wow. Um, and then two years later, he wrote his second novel, which was Things I Can't Explain, which depicted our heroine Clarissa um, in her late 20s. Things I can't explain? That's a bit, you know... Well, the thing is, Chris, when you're a teenager, you know, you think you've got all the answers, and when you're an adult, you find out that you don't. Yeah, that's that's the man who put this show together, and uh, as uh, we introduce ourselves to the characters, I'll tell you about the uh, people behind them as well. Clarissa was uh, Melissa Joan Hart's sort of first break into uh, the sort of TV world, and uh, how many years did it run for, Graham? Uh, it was, I believe, until '94. Yeah, ran for yeah, ran for four years. So, and then she, I think, I assume she did a couple of bits and bobs. Though she did do something in particular in 1995, which we will get to uh, later on in the show. Yeah. Uh, but no, this was before uh, Sabrina. This was before she'd uh, donned her uh, her magical witch's hat and instead cast spells on a generation of children who looked up to her. She was quite a quite an, a childhood icon, I believe. So this show was. In a way, its sort of cultural impact was greater than Sabrina. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- this is something that we will uh, discuss when we're talking about Clarissa. But yeah, Clarissa isn't just a thirteen-year-old girl just complaining about things. She's she's a very mature, independent young woman, and yeah. she does she is a good role model for yeah, kids. But at the same time, like you know, fashion obsessed, snarky. That's every teenager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, what really sets her apart is her electronic wizardry. Her uh, sort of fixation upon sort of, you know, rigging up all this awesome technology to sort of, you know, achieve her uh, aims, really. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it w- w- would be nice if it led to a surge in sort of female enrollment in electronics courses. Maybe it did in America. I don't know. Mm. But that, that's that's the legacy I, I, I wanted to hear. There was two episodes that caught my eye just because of... A certain level of controversy that they sparked, but not between audiences. No, this was mainly between TV executives and networks. And this was within the first half a dozen episodes of the show to go with risky themes that uh, the networks that's paying for the show aren't extremely happy about. Yeah, but Phil, let's just uh, let's just clarify. When you told me and Graham that this was a controversial episode, you didn't say anything about. To the networks. You just said controversial. So I'm sat there going, I wonder why this is controversial. (laughs) What is going on here? How is this controversial? Oof. That was a bit risque. At some point in this episode, some a character says a child character as well says the word sexual. I was like, was that it? (laughs) (laughs) And 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 the, the, the whole thing with the smoking, I was like, that can't be it. <laughs> I mean, looking back in hindsight, there is definitely one comment they make which is controversial. Oh that's, yeah, that's Absolutely. just just from looking at it. You know what? But still, little uh, little gross anyway. Yeah. But we will get to that. Uh, so this episode is uh, from the first series, so from 1991, episode three, and it's called No TV. Very briefly, uh, the mum, Mrs. Darling, uh, says that the whole family aren't to watch TV for a week or the foreseeable future, I'm not too sure. And it's just about the family breaking down and not being able to cope with not watching TV. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had that moment where parents have said, no more TV for you. We've had that moment, Chris, because we grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. I reckon, I was saying during the episode that this is a very sort of pre-internet, 
problem for a uh, a child to have. Yeah, yeah. Your parents saying no TV, and apart from being, you know, ingenious, uh, you know, pulling some electronic wizardry like Clarissa can do, there's no real way around it other than maybe going around to your mate's house and watching some telly but if yeah if, if you're confined to barracks and your parents have said no tv back then that was like what the fuck am i going to do <laughs> i can't secretly watch tv i can't go to my room and put the laptop on and put netflix on that was it and the reason why this was uh, deemed sort of uh, controversial to the uh, to the executives and the networks, because of how influential uh, Clarissa was to uh, sort of the, the children so early on in the show's run, that they believed that uh, families and children will stop watching TV, and they thought, well, why are we funding a TV show which is openly telling? Uh, families the honest truths about that oh maybe we shouldn't watch TV it's bad for you they believed that families would turn off TVs and ratings would go down for the show well I mean that's probably I guess why the episode takes the form it does it's a suffocating and claustrophobic episode which sort of builds an atmosphere of utter utter monotony and boredom for these people basically the entire family just just it, turns into dicks don't they just yeah, awful their whole, forms of themselves their whole life is evidently governed by tv and it's only when removing tv from it that they quite realize how much of their consciousness is shaped by television in a way it becomes a celebration of television I would say, this yeah. episode. Especially seeing that, you know, it turns people into shells of their former selves and they become narky and moody. But we'll get into that towards the end of the episode. So uh, the episode begins and we meet a plucky young teen, Clarissa, speaking to us directly about how much she hates her mum for banning TV for a week so the family can spend some quality time together. This is our first glimpse into the world of Clarissa. How do you feel about the the way that the show is is presented and Produced, you know, with the we've got a graphic of a TV uh, zooming in on, and Clarissa's talking to us. You know, how did you feel? Well, I think that's probably why she was probably so popular. Um, I mean, as an adult, I don't really sort of respond to it in any in any great way. But like, um, yeah, the fact that she sort of speaks to you and she's sort of, you know, she's quite sort of, yeah, she's sort of snarky and sort of has a bit of an attitude, but not in the way where your parents would be like. That girl's a bad influence, don't listen to her. <laughs> also, I don't know, it's, yeah, it sort of taps into probably how a lot of teenagers of the early 90s w- would feel if their mum had told them not to watch TV. And a lot of teenagers have probably been there. Mm. And, and obviously, as ever with these shows, younger girls would probably idolise Clarissa a lot more than people her own age. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably, for the intended audience, it's probably a, a good a good introduction to um, to each show, really. And throughout the episode, she sort of keeps sort of updating people updating us on with the aid of these sort of weird superimposed graphics. On, yeah, um, she, she does like a, a special report, and stuff, which apparently when I was sort of having a look about researching about the show, saying that they were a bore late to make and people hated doing them, but they knew how popular they, they were for the show. The actors, to what extent were they sort of briefed on what graphics were going to be on top of them and how, yeah. was, how was that done? Because... Because nowadays it's like, and look at the green ball on a giant stick. But it's not even that, because it's not like, it's not them in, well, it is them interacting yeah. with something. But it's, I don't know, it's more than, you know, say like, I was just listening to Hugh Grant being interviewed about doing the uh, the Paddington film. And he said, mm. oh, it was usually just either a ball on a stick or a bear's head on a stick. Which Ooh, must have been really <laughs> creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that is, that is fucking weird. Especially that, if it exploded. Oh, yeah, grief. that's... <laughs> That's him talking to uh, an animated character, but these aren't 
characters or even objects that are yeah. actually part of the scene. It, they they it, are like on top of the scene. Like yeah, it must have been. It must have been designated in the storyboard that that was going to happen, and the the direction would be. And just look up and to the left a little bit more. That's the one. So. Clarissa is telling us how awful life is outside of primetime TV, showing that everyone is doing boring stuff and have nothing good to talk about. That is, until they talk about their favourite TV show, reminiscing about a sweater or a jumper worn by someone of note. It was was that... You know, it was yeah, that uh, sure. sweater, that, that sweater, that uh, it's like a pu- pu- purple, purple, purple sweater. sweater. Purple sweater, yeah. yeah the Sabrina's sweater. father has, has he seen a sweater in a shop or something? Yeah. And he mm. said it's funny because it, it reminded was, him of that It was that the time. exact same uh, sweater that a, uh, a gentleman wore on a TV show. Um, and what, what was that? What was that TV show? It was it was a your popular uh, sitcom in the in the eighties. It was sort of a real sort of. Um, Almost sort of a source of pride. Was it? Was it that one with that massive sort of sexual predator in? Uh, yeah, almost. Well, that 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 could be that could be any eighties TV show. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I mean, there, there was there was somebody in particular who was sort of you know who wears jumpers. Wears jumpers was found. It's Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> we can't joke no more. Yeah, they made a fucking Bill Cosby joke, and we just went. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, and and this is yeah, but like seriously, like there was nothing safer or more cuddly than Bill Cosby for many many years up until the last like three, yeah. um, and so yeah, but it's. Yeah, it was it was it was a it was that moment of Graham turning to Phil and going, "Was that the controversial <laughs> moment?" <laughs> so in in hindsight, that is a um, you know a don't go there moment. But in in 1991, we were much more naive and we thought he was just this this cuddly old man. How how stupid we were! <laughs> how very stupid we were! Uh, so after reminiscing about how funny or not funny this uh, purple jumper was, uh, we might as well introduce the the parents now. So yes. we've got uh, Janet, darling, yep. and Marshall, darling. Now we've seen Marshall already before, haven't we? We have. Um, we didn't talk too much about his career aside from the fact that he was Sabrina's uh, father when she was in her previous life as Clarissa. Uh, the actor's name is Joe O'Connor. He'd not really done too much before uh, Clarissa. He's been very active in television since. Like, pretty much anything that's ran for a lot of seasons, he's had a one or two episode role in it, but nothing really more than that. Um, I think the only lead roles he's had were in two sitcoms that both aired in 2002 and right. didn't survive beyond 2002. Um, one was called Meet the Marks, and the other was called Apple Valley Nights. Wait, Meet the Marks is in... Um, it was, yeah, a family called Marks. Not Were they in... communists? Uh, they weren't, actually. It's funny, because Clarissa references Karl Marx <laughs> she um, does, yeah. at the beginning of this episode, which is a very, very uh, deep reference for a teenage girl. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, neither of those sitcoms have Wikipedia pages, which probably tells you about how well they yeah. fared. Mm. But he was in six episodes of Mad Men. That's his most recurring role, is yeah. that he was in six episodes of Mad Men. Oh, okay. So he is, he is still active today, unlike Elizabeth Hess, who... I mean, she's literally one of her few credited TV roles. Oh, wow. But she has done both before and after a lot on Broadway and has since gone on to become a um, an acting coach, drama teacher. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, her and TV doesn't really extend much beyond Clarissa. 
Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's the Darling family, you know? So that's uh, Janet and Marsha, so we'll be seeing uh, them in the next sort of couple of episodes anyway. So uh, apparently we find out that the TV was banned because it was causing Clarissa and her brother Ferguson to fight. So for fears of further violence, it was turned off. So again, boys, TV yep, was banned because it was causing violence in children. Again, though. Such a 90s problem. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, they'd all have their own tablets, wouldn't they? They could all yeah. watch their own thing. Put your headphones in. Yeah. You're watching Netflix. You're watching Amazon Prime. You're yeah. watching BBC iPlayer. Any other ones that I haven't mentioned? Plugging. Other, other streaming services <laughs> are available. <laughs> so again, supporting the, uh, the network executives' fears for this TV, telling them that not only is TV bad for you, but it also causes violence in kids. So you've got to understand this is why there were, there were some no, no, nerves no. about the TV show. TV doesn't cause violence in kids. Fighting over the remote causes violence <laughs> yeah. in kids. They, they couldn't have known at the time. T- the TV executives couldn't have known at the time. But what solved the violence caused by TV, which, as Chris says, mainly stems from fighting over the remote? More TV. <laughs> yeah. In more, in more sources. Oh, wow, yeah. The cure for TV violence was more TV. <laughs> yeah. So they, they needn't have worried. <laughs> they, shouldn't, wow. they shouldn't have just encouraged kids to watch more TV. So much TV that they need one of their own. If yeah. only that could be put to other things like uh, the cure for radiation poison. More radiation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it very rarely works. More of the thing that's causing the problem. The cure for poverty. More poverty. <laughs> <laughs> well, something about our government thinks. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, the phone rings and it's Clarissa's friend Jodie. Her and she's shocked, flabbergasted, and seemingly offended that Clarissa isn't watching TV. She starts pleading to her mum about why. She says, "But mom, don't you realise if I don't watch TV, I won't be able to keep up with the cultural level of my peers." That was the the thing in the in the nineties that if you didn't watch the show that everybody was watching that night, that in school the following morning when everybody was talking about it, and you'd be like. I don't know, I didn't see it. It was a big deal. And it's it. a big deal. Yeah. No, it was a big deal. It is a big deal. Because now, it's binging series. Yeah. Well, that's just it, though. But binging series has changed the sort of, like, the weekly, like, did you catch this week's whatever. Yeah. It's more acceptable to be at different stages. You know, it's a thing of no spoilers, please. Mm-hmm. And everything. Yeah, it's more acceptable to be at different stages with your viewing of a, of a popular show these days. But as long as you're viewing the popular show. Hey, yes. Yeah. Yes. But the thing is, well, it's like, you get more um you get criticized more um and get heard more abuse if you if if someone said to you oh do you know what the latest things that's going on with um donald trump's presidency and you said no it'd be like oh whatever if you said do you know what's happening in stranger things and you said no people will be so offended like oh my god really you don't watch that people are more bothered about you not watching tv than you know knowing what's going on in the world and that's why politicians can get away with what they can get away with because we're all watching uh tv so janet darling her mum says clarissa don't you realize that there's nothing good on tv apart from the same cycle of game shows sitcoms and commercials that's what i mean clarissa says where else can i experience the vast wasteland that we call the 20th century so we've had a Karl marx reference and we've had the vast wasteland that we call the 20th century this this script, I mean, did, certainly didn't provide the laughs that Sabrina does, but it, it's very, very smart and very complex yeah. um, for, like, again, they've, they've tried hard with this and you need to try with the kids sitcom, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, as we saw in Sabrina, it's evident that in certain, like, uh, guest stars and topics that this was written by, you know, people in their 30s, 40s, yeah. writing for a, a, a 90s audience. This is... 
definitely written by a much cleverer, almost sort of cynical and sceptic team of writers writing yeah. for this generation. Yeah, all I'm going to say is, what what 13-year-old knows about Karl Marx, the 20th century wasteland, Attila the Hun, and... Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? But, but do you think yeah. do you think this this very sort of clever, this wise, uh, knowledge-ridden Clarissa is a good role model for kids as well? I think maybe it might be sort of a spur for teenagers to investigate and maybe ask their parents or whatever, who is Karl Marx? Who is Humphrey Bogart? What is this? It could be sort of a prompt for them to learn more. A prompt for them to maybe steer away from the TV and talk to... Yeah, family spend some quality time, maybe. So, yeah, it's a bit of a peculiar where this direction is going. But I say, yeah, I agree with you, Graham. It's not, no, it's funny, and no, it's not as, it's no, no real gags. But the the scripting is very, very clever. Very yeah. so when mm. you, when you really listen to it, you realise that yeah, this this is quite important stuff that this thirteen year old girl's saying. Who cares if she's wearing really vibrant clothes? Uh, so the family play charades, which is just lame, even for nineteen ninety standards. And of course, we have charades, really. Charades, yeah, yeah. Charades. And we again, this is the second time that uh, Melissa Joan Hart has had a massive issue with uh, charades, seeing that uh, Aunt Hilda was playing it one Christmas and she she fucking hated it. Yeah. So Ca- character consistency between <laughs> two characters. I mean, same Ma- universe. Same universe. <laughs> Speaking of which, the um, shows obviously Clarissa predates Sabrina, but um, they were aired sort of like, you know, Clarissa was re-ran probably when Sabrina was new. So I did see Clarissa a fair bit as Mm. a child, despite being too young to remember it in its original run, probably. And because they were aired concurrently, I remember I was watching Clarissa one day and Dad uh, walked past the TV and he said, so is Clarissa's mum a witch? My poor confused father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor bloke. But did, did you clear it up, or, did, or have you led him to believe that all these years, like twenty odd years later, that that Clarissa was uh, was a witch as well? I can't. I can't remember my response, but I, I, I know that he got his. He, he got his. Um, he got his Melissa's in a muddle. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's don't we all sometimes? Um, so we cut to Clarissa's bedroom, which uh, again, researching this show, found out was the most elaborate set and the longest to build and decorate, and it was it was the sort of the, the holy place of, of the entire show. A lot of work went into building her room to give off the exact impression they wanted to do on the character. Well, I mean, yeah, it's very important because it's where she sort of hatches her sort of schemes, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, and, it, yeah, it's it's a small set, but a very sort of elaborately constructed one, you can see. So I, I think I think the hard work paid off there. Yeah, and there's a lot of hard work went into um, sort of Clarissa's friend Sam, who we meet now, as he climbs in through the window on a handy little ladder. And again, from finding out about the show, obviously the set was only about two foot off the ground. <laughs> so he used to have to lie down on the floor with a ladder, <laughs> prop it up, and kind of drag himself <laughs> up the ladder That's to, make it, to make it look like he was climbing up and several as, feet. As he got, hit puberty and got taller, that would have been harder and harder <laughs> to do as well. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. He has his... Li- Something against which I remember. I remember Sam and his ladder. I remember that about the show, and I remember the little musical sting every time he comes in. The little <laughs> bling. What thirteen-year-old boy climbs into a thirteen-year-old girl's window? I am sorry. I felt it was very not right. Well, well the reason why they did this is just because they said uh, no. This is coming from the writer saying that he couldn't have Sam going in through the front door because then you would have had to say. Hello, Mrs. Darling. Hello, Sam. Yeah, Clarissa's upstairs. If they wrote in the way he could just arrive in her room unannounced, it saves... Yeah, but that's the, that's the issue I'm having. 
He arrives in a in a in a room unannounced. What if she's not there, or what if she's getting changed? It's it's like a okay, it's, I, a, it's, I, a, it's yeah, a madhouse. I agree with, I agree with the getting changed. The, the getting changed bit is uh, yeah, sort of a, sort of a um, so basically Sam's catchphrase, which he has to shout at the foot of the ladder before he comes up, is "Are you naked?" <laughs> she, then she says no, and then he well, comes in. Whether he says yes or no, he comes up. And yeah, <laughs> Sam is a pre-Harvey Harvey uh, who too has a shite relationship with his dad, as he doesn't spend enough time with him, and when he does, it's watching sports. So again, another character with sort of daddy issues. Yeah. She's not very nice to Sam. She's a bit blunt and she's just a bit like... Yeah, like, because he's, I mean, in this episode he's sort of talking about, like, that he's been forced to watch TV with um, his dad, which is sort of the opposite situation that Clarissa finds herself in. Um, and they're getting really into, like, extreme sports, aren't they? He talks about skateboarding mm. and then later on he's uh, he's going, he's been watching a lot of surfing, he's going surfing with his dad. And she's just like... That's fucking stupid. Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. just really, really hard. He's really enthusiastic and passionate about this um, activity that him and his father have bonded over. And she's just like... She's like, that's silly. That's fucking silly. <laughs> Leave him alone. Oh, um, yeah. So, Sam, Sam, Sam seems like an alright kid. And, it makes uh, you think that, yeah, Close is maybe a bit too big for a boot sometimes, yeah. isn't she? Uh, we'll talk about Sam and the, uh, the uh, young man behind him, uh, Sean O'Neill. His first TV role, I don't know how this came about. He was in a French, like, I, I, from what I can tell, it was like, it was like live theatre, as in like, it was like a theatre performance yeah. aired on TV, like, it was, it's like sort of like a French institution, like, we're going back to like, probably the beginning of television in that country, um, that they air these sort of like, comedy sketches, like, on stage. Mm-hmm. He was in one of those when he was seven, despite being American and called Sean O'Neill, I, 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 don't, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, and then didn't really do anything on television until uh, Clarissa. During during Clarissa's run, so in uh, 1993, he had a small role in a family comedy called Cop and a Half, where uh, Burt Reynolds solves a murder with the help of an eight-year-old boy. Um, <laughs> okay, this sounds like something I want to watch. Yeah, I, Burt Reynolds, yes please. The boy witnesses, I think he witnesses the crime or at least the aftermath of it probably not the actual murder because it is it is a comedy yeah. um, and uh, so he has he has vital information on it but he won't give it up to the police unless they make him a cop basically okay. so him and Bert then work together to solve the uh, the crime it sounds like it sounds like a riot <laughs> it sounds um, delightful yeah it does he seemingly retired from acting uh, after that uh, for a long time as in like over a decade um, but he's uh, got a few like recent credits and usually in sort of like independent films and not big roles in independent films either his last credited role you'll like this uh, was Party Guest in a uh, 2016's Penumbia uh, which was a, a, an independent film starring nobody you've ever heard of <laughs> <laughs> so that is Sean O'Neill who played uh, who plays Clarissa Sam through the duration of the show um, so as we say he's having some daddy issues Clarissa is getting agitated about not watching TV because you know kids are addicted to it boys she asks Sam to watch well, tonight you know better to be addicted to TV than heroin that's true. Although, I mean, she clearly, Clarissa clearly had a bit of a meth addiction problem based on the uh, <laughs> amount of missing teeth she's sporting. So, uh... The success of the show made sure she, she could uh, sort of rebuild the teeth. Uh, so she asks... <laughs> um, so it's quite clear to us that Clarissa is no ordinary girl as she's independent, she's sassy, and she's a tech whiz, as we discussed before, as she manages to recalibrate a satellite to allegedly transmit TV shows onto her computer monitor. Which we now know as... 
Netflix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, she she um, she should have patented that shit because uh, Netflix may have uh, paid her, you know, a, a fair bit of money. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think lots. If uh, if there are any lawyers listening to this, look into that for us. Brian F- Cranston, look into it for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she can also she could also get a giant reel of cable. Oh yeah. Oh my days. Oh, my. Where did that come from? And there was a crocodile in a room. What the hell? The cables. <laughs> I, I, I just the fact that it exists in the world, <laughs> even as a prop, yeah. amazed me. It's huge. It's dangerously huge. I think Sabrina would have struggled to magic one up. I think if the cable started rolling <laughs> oh on my. the set, these these child actors could have been crushed. That's what I was worried about. <laughs> that mo- mo- the moment for in Austin Powers when he's on the steamroller about to run over the guard. Yeah. he's like, no, and he's like, move out the way. It's that moment again. He just freezes. <laughs> Except they wouldn't have the they wouldn't have the space that uh, that, that guy oh, did no, like no. this tiny yeah. set and then just <laughs> <laughs> squashed. We really nearly didn't get Sabrina. <laughs> no. Uh, so it now seems that even Mom can't handle not watching TV despite her protests. She's cranky and she can't stop uh, baking and cooking. Well, uh, it wasn't really baking. It was more more cooking. Shite. Yeah, yeah. You, d- you didn't like the fact the hob wasn't on, did you? Yeah, no, the hob it. wasn't on, mate. How dare they build this cheap television set? <laughs> Without a working hob. Well, uh, from what you said, they put in so much effort into Clarissa's room, I'm just asking for a working hob. That's all I want. Dad seems to keep breaking stuff only so he can fix it, or even fixing stuff that isn't broke, because he's, he's got mental, apparently. And her brother seems to have had a stroke on the table and starts dribbling some... What, a shape of a whale on per- the table? The perfect shape of a whale in his drool, yeah, um, which, which I like. So um, who is her brother? This is again something I remember from uh, watching the show as a kid was how fucking cool this guy's name is. His name's Jason Zimbler. Wow. Zimbler. Shame that his character name isn't as cool, is it? No, he's, yeah, Ferguson. Oof. Yeah, don't know what's going on there. Although it allows him to make loads of sort of little puns, alliterative puns on his name. He calls himself all sorts of things like Funky Ferg and stuff during the course of the show. It's just it's just a stereotypical like turd little brother. But yeah, yeah, yeah Mr. Zimbler. It's uh, his again his first and only major TV role. After Carissa, he uh, he went and got himself an education. He went to uh, college. He got a degree in uh, theatre uh, directing from the uh, famous university in uh, Indiana, which should be called Notre Dame. But instead, it's called Notre Dame. Notre Dame, <laughs> because America. Um, and uh, he, yeah, he worked as a director and um, like sort of theatre sort of teacher in uh, in New York. And then he founded his own theatre company in, in Portland. He apparently now works for HBO as a software designer. Two things. One, how does being a theatre director equip you for software design? It doesn't. Two, why does a television station need a software designer? I, I like to think maybe his role is, you know, to make working websites for shows. Hey, maybe. You yeah. know, like when, when you see a character or like or a, on a soap opera where they're on a, a not Facebook Facebook profile yeah. page. You've got to have someone who's got to make those working oh, web pages. Of course. It's very interesting that it's somebody who isn't, his background isn't in tech, his background is in acting and then directing. Dad seems to want to rebel and watch the football because his, his mate Jack calls him up it's about it. It's actually uh, basketball because he talks about the, the Lakers and the Knicks. Oh, and, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's got to watch, uh, watch the game anyway. Uh, and he secretly resents his wife because she won't let him watch the game. And mom says her famous last words. She says, I have no desire to watch TV ever again. But after reminding her that Casablanca exists, she wants to watch the movie, and things get a little little steamy. It got a bit weird, mate. It wasn't steamy. It was fucking weird. <laughs> she was very sort of turned on about the idea of Casablanca and reminiscing about how her and uh, Marshall met, yeah. and then he kind of sits down and goes, 
Ooh. But Ooh. They, they, they have this weird flashback imaginary yeah. moment, and he's, he's he's playing him playing Humphrey Bogart, and it was he was just twitching, man. Yeah, yeah we, we, we get, it we get. wasn't even it wasn't even an, like an accurate. He was just twitching, yeah, straight up mouth, twitching. Yeah, we get Marshall and Janet as uh, as Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman uh, reenacting a scene from Casablanca. With, um, you know, with all like black and white like, yeah. screen effect, it, it, it's a pretty accurate shot for shot. Yeah, um, no, I'll, yeah. G- I'll give you that. Good. Whoever filmed it, good on you. Yeah. Whoever acted in it, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, because he try he tries to do the hum- Humphrey Bogart sort of thing, which is that he sort of like curves his mouth upwards yeah. when he speaks. But the whole point of that is that his teeth keep showing. <laughs> yeah. When people do an impression from Humphrey Bogart, they show their teeth. He's just twitching. He's just twitching. He's just, twitching. <laughs> just moving his mouth. He's just yeah. smiling, sort of yeah. weird. Like. It's like he's got fucking spiders in his head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so things get a little steamy. He asks uh, for a window to be cracked open. Uh, they play another shit game of charades that goes wrong, and Mum runs off in a paddy because during this, uh, Clarissa puts her a special super duper wireless box to uh, help her watch TV from anywhere in the world. She puts it uh, behind the TV. Clarissa throws some stats in our face. She tells us, on average, kids watch three and a half hours of TV a day. It's more now. And within those hours, they see five beer or wine commercials, yes. oh, I could go for 33 a acts of violence. Could go for an act of violence right now. And 38 sexual references. Oh. Yeah, so that's, uh, again, sort of reading some troubling statistics about TV that might make parents think, hey, wait a minute, maybe TV is not great for my yeah, kid. But at the same time, I I would say that those statistics have gone up drastically oh, over yeah. the last oh, two yeah. decades. Because just the, you know, the amount of time a child or anybody, really, um, today spends in front of a screen is just ludicrous. Strictly because this isn't a real, a proper episode of Sabrina the Teenage Watch, we shouldn't really be doing any of our features or making reference things, but there is something that is particularly um, 90s about this episode. Is it uh, all of it? <laughs> well, well the, whole, the whole thing, of course, is very, very 90s. But the, but the thing where the Clarissa tunes a TV and... What what is she watching on on her uh, well, on well her, we, cap, her captain video illegal box? Me, me and Graham got quite excited about yeah, this. Yeah, you, you say that's so nineties, Phil. That's so very specifically the first two years of the nineties <laughs> because after that, uh, this country where she is uh, receiving a telecast from did not exist. No. Um, and and also the nature of the program she's watching entirely sort of exists as a result of the events that led to this country's collapse. We're speaking, of course, of the Soviet Union. Yay! Uh, she's watching a Soviet shopping channel. Now, wait a minute, you say. But in the Soviet Union, the, the market was, you know, sort of controlled. You know, commercialism was discouraged. But right at the very end, uh, Gorbachev came in and he sort of opened up the market, opened up the press. For some reason didn't realise that that was going to sort of cause the whole thing to collapse. And uh, the Soviet Union exists and has a free market, that pretty much was only the case in, like, 1990 and 1991, mm. and then it wasn't there anymore. It, it was... And, and with the episode airing in 1991, literally the year that the Soviet yeah. Union collapsed, it was just... It was a complete mind melt for us both. <laughs> <laughs> May have been one of the last sort of contemporary references to the Soviet Union yeah. on television. Yeah, possibly. Just what. Well, however, if they reference it again this season, I, I'd be very upset. <laughs> yeah, very upset. Indeed. But yeah, I mean, it goes back to you know that we thought maybe this was filmed in 1990. Obviously, yeah. where you know, mm-hmm. by the time this was broadcast, it was probably the Soviet Union had collapsed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was past it, but you know, still, it was it was 
a very clever joke if it was broadcast, I guess, at the right time. But yeah, also um, they have, I mean, they have probably intentionally sort of <laughs> terrible attempts at sort of <laughs> Russian, uh, Russian in general on the on the screen, like Russian script. Oh which God! Is basically, everything normal except the P's are backwards. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't P's even that. It was just. Uh, it was just a shambles. It wasn't even. It was just. It wasn't even the Russian alphabet. No, he hadn't even tried. I did like though that the cast member that they'd got, uh, sorry, the member of the crew to uh, pretend to be a Russian consumer, some person, a model, a potato model. Yeah, uh, did look pretty like. Yeah, so do, do, do you want to know why? It's because they said, stand there, stone-faced, and rotate a potato. <laughs> yeah. And his response was, that's not in my job description. And they said, no, you're fucking doing it. That's why he Spin looked like... Spin the potato! Like, uh, but, um, Spin the potato, goddammit! But... Uh, <laughs> Yes, Vince McMahon uh, um, directed uh, Clarissa. Little known fact. Um, also, yeah, the fact that selling potatoes like ha ha, they've got nothing in the Soviet Union. Ha ha ha, as well. Um, look at us. We're worried about we've not got TV. Look at these. They haven't got a country anymore. <laughs> and also, they have on the bottom of the screen Glasnost and Perestroika, which were the two sort of policies which opened up the market and the media of Gorbachev's. So, uh, yeah, um, very, very in- historically interesting. Yes. So you might laugh at, oh, it's just a man spinning potatoes, but when you know the facts about it, like, like oh, Graham and Christopher do, then it's magical. So you you were just laughing because it was a man spinning a potato, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 <laughs> I, was, I, was in the, I was in the majority. I'm not saying man spinning a potato wasn't funny. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> As well as that, <laughs> there was some interesting. I mean, historical yeah, points. I, I, I could watch a man spilling a potato for for an unusually long period <laughs> yeah. of time and still find it funny. I mean, and at the time, you know, at the time, the whole Soviet Union thing—that was just life. So the only thing you're supposed to get from the thing was, ha ha, Soviet Union potatoes are valuable. Ha ha, man is spilling a potato. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So uh, the watching the uh, the sort of the Russian potato channel causes all the boxes to to blow up in the house, and Clarissa is then caught out that yeah, sorry, I rigged up uh, the TV with a box, and now everything is broken. So the explosion happens, the TV's blown up, and Marshall is almost comatosed because he hasn't watched TV, and it turns out that Mom has started smoking again to relieve the stress. Was that the controversial thing, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> so the so she's taken up smoking to relieve stress. Uh, obviously, the job that watching the TV. TV would have done so. Yeah. It's gone from saying, oh, TV's really bad, you shouldn't watch it, to look what happens to the normal, happy American family. TV who... doesn't give you lung cancer, does it? You know? <laughs> that, that's basically the point they're making. No, the point that they're making is that TV is used as an escapism, so you can wash away your stress without punching your children in the face. Yes, yeah. and it's altogether less harmful than drugs or alcohol. Yeah. TV was keeping this family together. Yeah, Marshall and her are falling out. She's smoking. Clarissa's. They're not falling out. They nearly shagged in front of the kids. <laughs> Only when they thought about TV, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's no fucking moral to this story. Other than TV is great. <laughs> yeah, TV's bad for children, but it's good for the family. Kind of thing. TV is a necessary evil. Maybe is what they're saying. <laughs> so before we crack on with the next episode of uh, Clarissa, what's your very sort of quick thoughts on this show? Like, I think it's one of those things where I wasn't too sort of enamoured watching it. I found it sort of interesting, sort of, it's very sort of, a very unique show, which I, I did remember from the time. It had a, a style that was very much its own. I can see why it was popular. Talking about it, I've actually sort of realised it was probably, it probably is actually better than I was to show to even get credit for when I was watching it. Is it weird that we're three grown men watching Clarissa? Yeah, but it's kind of, I don't know, like, it's weird that we watch Sabrina too, but I think... I feel like Sabrina's more acceptable though. 
Well, I don't know. I think I think I think anybody who doesn't understand why we would do this, I don't want to know them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the next episode that we're going to watch is uh, episode seven of the same series, season one. So again, in its very much uh, very early stages of the show, uh, it's called the bully. What happens is uh, so it comes to light that sort of Ferguson is being bullied by boy at school and he's uh-huh. losing all his possessions. So because he to get by each day, he's giving this lad his all his things. She goes to challenge the bully to a fight, and the thing that made this one a bit eerie, a bit controversial among TV uh, networks is the executives didn't think the episode would be believable that a girl would challenge a boy to a fight. Oh, I th- oh, oh it's, it's like that. Oh, oh, oh. It's like that, is it, Nickelodeon? Okay, yeah. okay. And that's the reason why this caused a stir because they thought, no, girl, a girl wouldn't challenge a boy to a fight. So hmm. then, so they had the re- writers had to rewrite the episode to oh to ma- reflect maybe that. maybe Vince McMahon was involved in the show. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> So there we go, boys. Um, the bully Clarissa stood up to a bully terrorizing her brother. How did we think it went? Well, um, it went quite unexpectedly, I would <laughs> it, say. It, it went in a direction. Yes. yes, yeah. Not the direction we, we thought it would take. It was quite quite a funny direction. I think it sort of had a pretty decent sort of message, really. Yeah. Sort of, you know, if someone wants to fight you, they probably actually want to kiss you, which is <laughs> usually the way these things go. So. That, is, that is not been my experience. <laughs> if someone wanted, wants to fight me, they tend to genuinely want to punch me in the face. Yeah, and it's not quite what you see in, like, boxing matches and things. Those people, they definitely want to fight each other, not uh, not make out afterwards. You don't see afterwards, <laughs> That's very true. Maybe, yeah. maybe when it comes to uh, uh, American high school wrestling, that that might be an option of, of kissing at the end. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not WWE wrestling. Okay. High school wrestling. Okay. You know when they're in the leotards and they're rolling around on the floor. Yeah. I'm just saying it's slightly. It's the it's the most sort of homoerotic sport. Uh, so the reason why she did want to fight this uh, this bully is because uh, he was terrorizing her brother. No, no, no. No, let's get this clear. She wanted her Walkman back. Oh, okay, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. She, was, she was doing it for completely self selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah. You should always stick up for your brother or sister, especially when they've lost your things. <laughs> especially when they've lost your Walkman. Yeah. Fight someone if you get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's what I've learned, anyway, from so, this episode. So, I, I stand corrected, yes. It's not about Clarissa standing up to the bully because it's uh, it's an act of honour and protection for a brother. It's because it'll get her Walkman back, will it? So, the episode opens with Clarissa showing some concern, as I say, for her brother Ferguson. Kinda. Just She just thinks he's gone soft, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, it's just, she, there's reasons he's come back without his game gear, his sort of gaming machine, he's come back with it. His massive gaming machine at that Oh, the yeah. size of his arm. It was like a dinner tray, wasn't it? He'd gone out the door. Uh, he'd come back empty-handed, or sort of empty-headed, without his uh, hat, as it's got lost. And uh, he's gone. He's openly helping around the house, and he's just yeah, being a bit soft than the the terrible tyke that he uh, seems to be most of the time. Because yeah, the sort of key character trait of Ferguson, as well as him just being sort of an annoying little brother, is that he's very. Uh, materialistic to the point which he is apparently a Republican. <laughs> oh, yeah! yeah. Oh, well, this 10-year-old ten, ten boy um, as sort of a political affiliation. Yeah, but when you look at his costume, it makes sense. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it's, it's a green. conservative costume. 
His attitudes towards the rest of his family is quite a Republican one. It's He's like, got like a professional relationship yeah, with his family, hasn't exactly. he? Exactly. Uh, Clarissa's pal Sam climbs in the bedroom again as he's been allowed the space to put in her room. Or what does he say? Do you mind if I put in your personal space? <laughs> I think he says thank you for letting me put yes, in Yes, oh yeah. Suggest something happened. Thank you for letting me put in your personal space. Oh heavens above, did I have kittens. <laughs> I mean, he he's referring to he's he's playing golf and he Oh yeah, he's, he's got golf. Clubs, golf balls, but if you take it out of context, Jesus Christ, yeah, I mean, the innuendo. Uh, she realises that she's lost her Walkman, her, her uh, personal stereo, she says. Personal stereo. Uh, so she... I, I remember, because obviously Walkman is a brand. Yes. Um, it's the, the original personal stereo from Sony. And um, I remember we did used to call them personal stereos. What a fucking mouthful. <laughs> I know, yeah. Oh, have you seen my personal stereo? Portable tape recorder is oh what they're talking God. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, the, but her Walkman specifically, she can't find it, so she's looking around to see uh, to see where it is. Uh, she goes downstairs to ask her parents, as a matter of fact. Her mum and dad are arguing, however, downstairs about whether to respond to a chain letter, worried about it causing broken backs and rashes and collapsing marriages. Marshall thinks it's stupid and... Uh, Rightly so. And is about to throw it away, decides not to. He said, he's going to burn the letter. Burn the letter. Did either of you receive a chain letter I during did. the 90s? I did. It claimed it was sort of, you know, that it was trying to become the the biggest chain letter ever, you know, like getting the Guinness Book of Records mm-hmm. and things. And I, I don't know how, but I remember, like, I was, like, thinking about, like, people I could send it to and things, because it came from one of my uh, mum's friend's uh, sons, who was a little older than me. And I was thinking about who I could send it to, um, to sort of, you know, to sort of be a part of it. And then uh, I remember mum saying, oh, they found out it was a hoax. And I was like, thinking about it, how? How would you know? <laughs> uh, another chain letter. Only <laughs> <laughs> way. Another chain letter that said, no, 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 seriously, this is the Guinness World Records one. Yeah, I, I never received a chain letter. But I have received the modern day equivalent of post this to your wall or 12,000 children will die. And it's that, like, what? <laughs> yeah. that, that is the new thing. If you don't like and uh, post yeah, or retweet like and this, share. Like, share this uh, this poster, yeah, then famine's going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like and share and find £1,000. It's like, no. But I, I, I remember I received a chain letter um, once and I, I took it, I sort of, I had to send it to 20 people. I filled out all the letters, sent them away. But then I got some back that were undelivered and I'm not kidding, for the next sort of couple of weeks, Weeks, I was in a mass panic about thinking, oh my god, I've got mass bad luck that someone hasn't received one of my letters. And what did the letter say? I can't, I can't remember. I just remember I just get um, just bad luck uh, upon you and your family or something like that. So it was quite like quite brutal. Yeah. And I remember panic, just being in hysterics about um, one of my letters coming back. I'm yeah. sorry, but anyone, including the pair of you <laughs> who believed in chain letters, even at such an early age, I mean, for fuck's sake, get a grip. <laughs> well, I mean, the chain letter could be a world record. So, so you oh, wanna, no, the, you the world record one, you, I'll, you give you, really, I'll, I'll give you that one. That, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's for an aim, that's for a purpose. Yes, that, but that's, you, that's, that's what we the with cha- the bad luck. The Fuck chain letter yeah. will kill you and your family if you don't <laughs> pass it on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, there, there's here. a goosebump story for you. <laughs> well, it all does get a bit goosebumps for old uh, Marshall in, uh, in this episode, <laughs> it doesn't does. it? Well, yeah, so he burns, effectively burns his chain letter thinking it's a load of cods wallop. Uh, Ferguson gets home without his shoes. He's got muddy feet. He tries to fob off that he was walking on coals with some sort of uh, sort of yeah, tribal tribe. Yeah, Peloponnesian tribe. The tribes of the, the yeah, tribe it was Peloponnesia, of, wasn't he? 
What's Peloponnesia? <laughs> no, no, no. He said Pelo. He said, oh, Pel- Peloponnesia. And I'm like, hang on a tick. That's not a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Peloponnesia. Where's that? Well, it was originally um, what was uh, Sparta. So it's the Peloponnesian War. So Sparta oh. in Athens went to war twice in yeah. about 400 something something. Maybe even earlier than that, I can't really remember. And that was called the Peloponnesian War. But then he we... starts talking about Papua New Guinea. I know. So, so he must mean Polynesia. <laughs> yeah. Ah, right. That's yeah. what because you said he said something wrong there. Yeah. It's like what? All oh, right. I, he does, I mean, it's sort of the uh, Ferguson does very well. Together we've got this. <laughs> so doing very, he does very well actually. Just repeating these sort of uh, saying these complicated words and stuff. It just sounds like he knows what he's talking about, but clearly, as uh, Chris and Graham have uh, investigated, uh, it's bollocks. Absolute bollocks. <laughs> uh, he probably just said the word wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he's not got his shoes on and he fobs off that this is what he was doing, walking on coals. Uh, he runs away, though, when Clarissa asks him about where her Walkman is. And he runs away and says, I don't know where it is. And uh, Clarissa follows him to his bedroom and notices that a lot of his favourite toys and his stuff are missing. Sorry, um... They they had a jostle uh, with the door with Ferguson not letting Clarissa in the room. Oh, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember many moons ago having similar jostles with doors with oh, my yes. uh, my siblings Definitely. as well. And in comparison, that was shit. <laughs> there was no effort in that whatsoever. Clarissa was just on the other side, just like I think it's the doors to our rooms, Chris, weren't made of plywood. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's difficult to have convincing tussle with one of those. I remember one time, one time my brother Jimmy was was trying to uh, get in yeah. my bedroom, and I was just, I was just like, no, stay out, stay out. Anyway, he burst in, and then he he took something that was mine. And so as he walked away, I kicked him in the arse so hard uh, he was off school the next day. <laughs> <laughs> with a ruptured arse. <laughs> Yeah, took the next took the next day off school because he yeah he couldn't walk. It was uh, oh. did, did you rupture his anus? <laughs> oh, poor Jimmy. Sort of explains why he walks like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mate, I, I bet you'll remember that. We we, Wait, we, you... we look back at it quite fondly. Well, I do anyway. <laughs> I'm uh, sure he doesn't. Well, that's that, that time you anally abused your brother. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. Don't, let's not get that in the papers. Uh, after tussling through the door, uh, Clarissa realises that a lot of Ferguson's stuff's missing. He gives her lame excuses and she doesn't buy it. Like, he left his chest set on a, on a bus. He sold his stuff for uh, sick children or something that need it more than him. Yeah. And all lies. All absolute lies. But it turns out, it comes to light that he hasn't got his stuff and indeed can't get Clarissa's Walkman back because, well, it's been stolen or given to the schoolyard bully Clifford Spleenhofer. What a name. <laughs> Spleenhofer. <laughs> Says where it does on the tin. Yeah. yeah. Spleenhofer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he is going to hoff your spleen. <laughs> he certainly <laughs> is. Certainly what I did to Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sp- Clifford Spleenhofer. I mean, Clifford, Clifford is just such a meek name. Hi, you know, Clifford the Big Red Dog. That's the first thing I thought yeah. of. Clifford and then... the Big Red Dog could fucking destroy you, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you Clifford know. Clifford the Big Red Spleenhofer. Yeah, but he's, he's like, he's, he's, he's a jolly giant. He's a gentle giant sort of thing. But then, Spleenhofer. Yeah, Sounds I, like a serial killer. I love Spleenhofer. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah it's, and maybe it's a good name for him because he seems fearsome, but as we later find out, he has a gentle side. He does, so, yes. Uh, that, that's the Clifford side. But the Spleenhofer side of him is, uh, yeah, we see him um, very, very briefly now of him. He's, he's exactly the sort of schoolyard bully that you'd expect him to look like. Yeah. He's very, very peculiar. But we'll get to that in a sec. So, yeah, so Clifford Spleenhofer is the one that's taking all of Ferguson's property and... Clarissa's Walkman now, because he was given it in exchange of living another day. The day before, he offered his shoes just so he felt he could live another day. And during this bit, it's quite, it takes quite a serious turn. The audience are laughing, because, you know, it's, it's Paul Ferguson, he's saying these things which sound a bit funny, but he's so distressed yeah. about what's happening, it does make light of quite a tra- well a very traumatic part of a young boy's life. Well, also, a young child's life. Also, I mean, Jason Zimbler, for... Somebody so young and also in sort of, you know, just like a sitcom or whatever. He sort of plays fear quite well. Yeah. Like, he, he generally seems really sort of like worried and crestfallen. Like, yeah. Out of out of the two episodes I've watched, that was the best piece of acting I saw. Oh, it was definitely. It he, was very good. He might be the best actor in the show and that includes the two adults. Oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the two adults are the fucking worst. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> But yeah, so so uh, poor sort of Ferguson. Yeah, he's really pleading. You see how distressed and um, sort of visibly upset he is, and the audience are laughing, going, "Oh, look at me! He's just saying silly things. Look at his little ginger hair." But like, he's so he's so he's so upset and so traumatized by what's going on. He then, as well, he pleads with Clarissa to go and talk to him because she's his older sister and he's yeah. bigger than he. And in his eyes, she has the power to sort this out. And yeah. that's what little brothers and sisters sort of look up. Towards that. So she's doing it for, again, selfish reasons. She's going to get a Walkman back. But, you know, in the meantime, she might help Ferguson out as well. Meanwhile, uh, Marshall loses his wedding ring and breaks his foot and gets a weird itch. Yeah, he breaks his foot slipping over on one of Sam's uh, golf balls because yeah. he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's putting in the personal so, space. <laughs> so Sam comes round to put in everyone's personal space <laughs> and uh, he, he slips on a ball and he's broken his foot. My and... worst slip I've ever seen. Oh, it, yeah, it's really sort it, of it like, like... Oh, oh, hang on, let me steady myself. Oh, there we go, lie down and... <laughs> yeah, there we go, broken foot. <laughs> Just put a mat on the floor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking take a dive. But he, um, his mum says, says, oh, don't worry, Sam, it wasn't your fault. Of course it fucking was. He brought the balls round. The balls aren't lying around in the house she, willy-nilly. She believes in the curse, though. Oh, so, uh, uh, she, she says, you, you burnt that letter, and now the fates are angry. That's what yeah. Oh, yeah, says. the fates, yeah. you know, the uh, three witches with one eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're, they're, yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're doing they're, this. They're out yeah. to get yeah. you. Don't blame Sam and his balls. <laughs> Open your personal space. <laughs> As we pointed out, he twitches to indicate his the irritation in his face, mm. and it's very similar to him imitating Humphrey Bogart in the previous episode. <laughs> it's not similar. It's it, the it, same. It's the same thing. <laughs> Clarissa tells Ferg to make the bully come round to the house, and she'll sort him out. Uh, the only reason why the bully came round to the house is because that was the only set. Yeah, they had. this, this yeah. is when uh, our sort of theory about the sort of like the first scene that it's. Because of the complete lack of guest stars, I mean, also we do have a couple of extra actors in this uh, in this episode, but yeah, um, clearly sort of not working on much of a budget at all. They have these house, various house sets, different people's rooms, and the and the front lawn basically, yeah. and that's that's it. Yeah. So the bully come is going to come round only though in exchange of her computer monitor. I think I don't think he wants the computer. No, he, he wants, just, just wants the monitor. No, he wants it? the whole computer. The whole yeah, thing. But he wanted to make sure that the monitor was yeah. colour. It better oh, oh. have it better have a colour monitor. Ah, yeah. right. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got got to be clear on those. No, points, yeah, yeah. As a as a bully requesting items to take, 
you have to be 100% clear oh, of what course, you yeah. want yeah. to take. There's yeah. no point being a bad boy if, you, you know, if you're know if you not going to get good yeah. rewards out of it, I guess. So Clifford comes around, and as we say, he is exactly who you'd expect him to be. He's wearing a leather spiky jacket. He's got yeah. silly, wavy hair, and he's... He's got some sort of metal band T-shirt on. Yeah. He might have a wallet chain as well, I don't oh, remember. Oh, yeah, probably. But, yeah. I think he's got sort of really uh, big boots on. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he's stone-faced. Uh, he's got sort of... Acne craters and stuff, so he's very sort of yeah, very, very bully, very bully y, if yeah. that's a word. Uh, he doesn't speak a word though, so we don't know if he really is a, a bully because he communicates through his friend Newt. Yes, and Newt is the exact sort of like Simey, as, as his name would suggest, a yes. Simey sort of bully psychic, just just a, li- a little dweeb. He has a denim jacket, which <laughs> yeah. shows he's not quite the level of toughness of Clifford. You know, he's got a mullet. Yeah, he's got a mullet, and he's just like, yeah. Clifford says... Yeah. He just yeah. he kind of whispers a couple of things to him, and he just says, Clifford says that this, blah, blah, blah. If you don't give me your computer, this is what's going to happen to you. And he fucking stamps on a Walkman, breaks it. Poor girl. But the most aggressive thing is, is what he says next. He says, it'll be your kneecaps next time. Jesus, yeah. stamp on her kneecaps. <laughs> not only that, but... But the only ever time I've ever heard anyone threaten someone's kneecaps is in a mafia <laughs> film, a mob movie. That, yeah. yeah, that that is that is very much yeah, that's very much a mob threat. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> hell, this, this this escalated quickly. Yeah. Uh, the next day, and Clarissa is getting ready to train for her fight. Making light again would save a rather dark subject. Uh, she fails to lift a weight, and therefore believes she doesn't have it in her to beat the bully. Um, even though, despite Sam's best efforts to train her, he's sort of getting her in the mood. He's... He does a little rap. It's training time. Listen to the words of Muhammad Ali. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Hook him with the right and doink him in the eye. Take him to the cleaners and hang him out to dry. Sam, can you really make me into a killing machine? Well, at least I can keep you from getting killed. So, so Sam, yeah, he's, he's rapping, he's massaging her shoulders, he's telling her, come on, champ, you can do it. He really likes massaging her shoulders. He does it really, He really put in her personal space there. <laughs> he's starting to feel some things, and the only outlet he knows for them is to massage her shoulders. <laughs> yeah. So they decide that, uh, seeing that she feels like she can't beat him, she can't fight him, She's going to send him 30 chain letters instead, hoping that a curse will be bestowed upon him. At least one of them will contain a curse. (laughs) At least one of them, yeah. Uh, So Ferg walks in, this is, he walks into the kitchen with his shirt and his sleeves ripped. He says, I told him he could have everything in my pockets. I didn't think he'd take my pockets too. Oh, poor Ferg. At least his parents get to see what's going on here, which, I mean, it's probably quite a quite an accurate thing of how sort of like a, a child would behave in that situation they very often don't tell their parents <laughs> yeah the, well at the same time he did walk in looking like he'd been dragged through a bush backwards being attacked by ravenous dogs and then slipped on a banana peel and survived a house fire <laughs> yeah that too so it, it, all in all if the parents weren't concerned I'd be more worried he's managed to keep it from them and just it'd be a thing between him and Clarissa but when he comes in with like his shirt mostly obliterated, <laughs> then he can't hide it anymore. Yeah, well, he's, he says like uh, he doesn't want the pa- his uh, parents to know because when uh, when his dad Marshall goes up, I'm going to ring this boy. He's like, no, 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 it'll make it worse. It make it worse because that's another fear of of children who are being bullied that don't get anyone else involved because it means you'll get uh, sort of double bullied, sort of beaten up a bit more. Yeah, it's like you 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 told on me. But I have a question: How the fuck does Marshall have Clifford? Spleenhofer's dad's number in his little yeah, black book. Yeah. He gets this little book out and he just goes, Hello? Yeah. Mr. Spleenhofer? He doesn't pick up the yellow pages, which you could quite easily do, you know, because back then, you know, these days, the yellow pages is, well, 
Small businesses, really. Yeah, small businesses. And that's it. Like, everybody's ex-directory. You can't just find somebody's phone number. Back then, every every fucker was in the phone book. Yeah. There won't be more than one Spleenhofer in the world. <laughs> so he could just... Uh, be... Especially not in that, that county. Yeah, yeah you know. so he could just be like, pick up the phone book, uh, Spleenhofer. Right. But no. But no, literally, he has the Spleenhofer residence's number... Just, just written down there on a piece of And he's, he's never called them before because he goes, Hi, my name is Marshall yeah, Darling. Yeah, he's he's never spoken to them hang before. Hang on a moment. What if, actually, the school that Clarissa, Clifford, Sam, Newt and Ferguson, Ferguson all go to have a, uh, a special school directory that they give out to all parents and that's what the little black buck was? Possibly. I mean, I'm just trying to find logical sense. That's, I yeah. don't think there is. No. <laughs> that's, that's about the closest we can get, I think. <laughs> so Marshall rings him up and uh, sort of tries to speak to the parents, say like, no, you need to, uh, your children need to stop terrorising my children. No, I'm not a weenie. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds like it very much begins at home. Like father, like son. Yeah, yeah so, so he's getting grilled by the spleenhoffers and he gets worked up and he's so like, I'm going to... I'm gonna, Teach them a lesson, or wait till I get my hands on them. But you know, so he's he's showing his violent side as he did, uh, well as he could have done in that episode of Sabrina that we yeah. watched, where uh, the the mother of Rex, the little boy who uh, took Salem, said uh, said, "Oh, I'm going to get my husband on you," which turned out to be Joe O'Connor. Yeah, and yeah, what, what's he going to do? Beat beat up a 16 year old girl, <laughs> yeah. knocking round the scarring fans of Clarissa forever, as we uh, <laughs> said said at the time. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so Spleenhofer say that they're going to slash his ties and beat up his kids unless he leaves them alone, so ooh, a bit dark. Nasty people. It is quite possible that he is a mob child. <laughs> <laughs> Could well be. <laughs> it's time for the big fight, and it turns out that Clifford doesn't want to fight. In fact, he wants to express himself to Clarissa in the form of singing uh, love songs because he is in love with our uh, Clarissa. Yeah, it, that took a turn. <laughs> yeah, it turns out... Clifford has never had anybody stand up to him before, being as he is a big old bully. Mm. Um, and the fact that Clarissa has had the metaphorical cojones to be like, you're a dick, you're not getting away with being like this, and I'm going to fight you, has just won his heart that someone yeah. has finally stood up to him. That's what it takes to sort of scratch beneath the surface to reach his sort of his sensitive... Soft nougaty centre. The Clifford yeah. side of his yeah, character. Yeah, the, the Clifford side of his character. The uh, sensitive soul that lies beneath, which can only express himself through butchering love songs. <laughs> you are so beautiful to me. What? He has you trouble expressing himself in words. so beautiful to me. Can't you see? What's yeah. happening? You're everything I Wait. It's the bigger than the other. Yep, he's gone. You are so beautiful. Ah, uh, thanks. To he sings again and again. He sings another song later on. But I mean, at least the bullying stopped anyway. But, well, uh, yeah, but the torture's begun. He got me yeah. thinking. You were saying about that. Obviously, Clarissa stood up to him, and that's you know, it melted his heart. If Ferguson had stood up to him and did the same thing, do you reckon he would have fallen in love with Ferguson? We'll never know. <laughs> so there we go. So that is the bully. Uh, this is the last episode of uh, the, the usual format of Chris that we're going to watch. Boys, did what did you think of this one in comparison to the last one? And as a as a whole, did it... I think I I think I enjoyed it more. I don't know whether that was because I'm used to Clarissa now, or whether it was because. It was better. It's kind of hard to tell when you've only watched two episodes. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's definitely aimed at a younger audience. It's it's harder to sit through it as an adult. Yeah. Well, Sabrina, you don't sit through. Sabrina, you just straight up enjoy. I, I like the chain letter thing just because it just it reminded me that chain letters existed. <laughs> yeah, and, and they are a thing of the 90s, yeah. yeah. And Chris, quickly, yeah, did you enjoy... 
this episode. I, I enjoyed it more than the last episode, but at the same time, I am so glad that this is just a special. <laughs> <laughs> that we are not watching. I think if we committed to watching Clarissa as the podcast... Ooh. We probably wouldn't have made it as far as we've made, <laughs> no. we've made it with Serena. Uh, well, so this was the sort of like the, I guess, the start of Clarissa, but it was it was a big show. It, it, it captured a, a younger generation. And yeah, for the next couple of years, it was really, really successful. It's one of the network's biggest uh, watch shows, and it turned Melissa Joan Hart into a star. So much so that she believed she could take the character Clarissa out of the, the family and on her own. And she made a pilot called... Clarissa now hmm? and you can understand that we're about to watch it and you'll be able to find out exactly why it didn't make it past its pilot Okay, so I've just exposed the chaps to Clarissa Now, uh, which was a 1995 stab at uh, sort of refreshing the Clarissa character and bring her into the modern day. She's 18, she's out to make her own name somewhere in the world. She chooses New York, and but this pilot didn't make it past the pilot. It was it was canned immediately after. So we're going to sort of briefly talk about it and sort of discuss kind of why and if it did have the the legs to go to the same lengths as Clarissa did. Graham, what did you find of it first? Because you said just after that that you were quite intrigued by it. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it isn't very good. You can see why it wasn't picked up. Especially, I mean, who who was... And I, this, is, this is a sincere question. I'm not like, just like just running it down. Like, who was it for? Like, What, yeah. was, what was the intended audience? Not, of... not only that, but this is about Clarissa. This is the young girl yeah. who is electronically engineering computers and TVs and whatnot. <laughs> and is now becoming a journalist. Mm. I, I think the main thing is, is that Clarissa works in her own world, in, in her family life, in, in the world. Yeah. That this is Clarissa's world, this is Clarissa being zane and these are her friends. Clarissa doesn't work in anyone else's. She's not Clarissa, is she? No, no. She's just Melissa Joan Hart, and she talks to the camera. Only in those two ways you see Clarissa. Other than that, she's just sort of like the standard sort of like, I don't know, sort of female lead in sort of, yeah, like sort of like a coming-of-age sort of sitcom. It's, It's not Clarissa at all. And I think the people who originally enjoyed Clarissa for everything that Clarissa was would find nothing to enjoy from that. Even though they've gl- grown up with Clarissa and they're a bit older now, I don't think there there would be anything there. No. It's even the outfits. As Clarissa, she was always in bright coloured outfits yeah. matching the... It was, it was that, dark. Yeah, it's all business cash. Yeah. yeah. She's working in an her, office. Her sort of like um, obnoxious, ignorant, um, sort of uh, independent... Character and uh, she's obnoxious and, and ignorant. That suggests she wasn't. No, 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 no. In no, in as no, it's as in she um, she did things by her way. It yeah, was, it was uh, it was her rules. It was like I said, it was her world that she was inviting us into, and and I think that is the theme that they're getting at. And I think the the novel which we've talked about probably um, looks at that even more. The fact that like when you're a kid, you know, you sort of you 
can, in a way, have everything sort of your own way, or, you know, you can march to the beat of your own drum and not too many people really stop you as long as you're not breaking the law or yeah. anything. Um, whereas when you're an adult, especially when you're starting out in the world of work, you know, you've got to take, as an intern, as she is, you know, you've got to take orders from, you know, from other people, people will sort of take take advantage of you it's a bit of a bummer and she sort of comes into this you know sort of cutthroat sort of new york environment kind of wide-eyed innocent mm. sort of eager and sort of um optimistic and just meets these all of them i think this is a problem, oh yeah every single character she meets is extremely unpleasant Including the two people that sit next to her on the subway that don't say a word. <laughs> yeah, you know. Like, the, the villain of the piece is New York. New York is supposed to be this big bad guy. And they even make a point saying, New York is an awful place to live. You're not going to like it. Yeah, New York is going to break this this poor innocent girl. Um, so, yeah, that that's I think that's the problem that you need. It, it's, it's extreme. Anyway, I assume this was aimed at... Kids. That, that that's the main problem with it. It was still fairly challenged. There were some some like gags in it, but I think well, it was. Who, yeah, but it was, who? It was like Sabrina level. Yeah. Was who, just, who was the demographic there? I guess similar to Sabrina, but it's it you know sort of like slightly older kids. But I mean, but I'm sorry. What what sixteen year old would watch that? Well, no, not even sixteen year olds because I don't think Sabrina's aimed at sixteen year olds. Even though she's sixteen, Sabrina's aimed at like twelve year olds. Mm. But especially what twelve year old would watch that? Yeah. Like. Um, That's what I mean. That's why I said 16. I can't even think of a 16-year-old that would watch that, let alone anyone younger. The problem is it's sort of sort of pitched, obviously, with it being Clarissa and everything, at sort of like a kid audience. The subject matter is for a slightly older teen yeah. audience, but the tone of it isn't, so it ends up not, re- not really appealing to anybody. And the other thing is that the fact that every character, because you've got junior reporter who because he's slightly less of a rookie than she is he thinks it's okay to treat her like shit yeah yeah you've got the sort of like kind of what 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 is she is she like city is she the city editor, editor or yeah. something yeah. so she's... She, she's her first point of contact yeah, yeah. so she's all herself like, I, I i know i know this game and you know you, you're a yeah. rookie you don't know shit so you just shut up and listen to me you, you've got the one that looks like matt stone who yeah who got... just appears every now and then and delivers some form of bad news yeah but maybe he's a nice guy we don't really get to meet him but you've got the lady who uh, she first meets uh, when she's looking in the supply cupboard yeah. and she thinks she's just some kindly old like receptionist or something but it turns out she owns the paper and she's also a dick yeah um, she, she's nice she's nice to Clarissa but she's a dick to everyone else she's yeah. just a miserable old hag and you also get like, like, yeah what was it it was like you uh, you only come down here to intimidate us and it was like yes but I enjoy doing that and it's like well fucking hell <laughs> yeah and I think as time as time goes on, like sort of a kindness towards Clarissa isn't really there anymore mm. either. Mm. It's like that first interaction before she realizes who she is, and as soon as she does, that's it. Like, th- th- there's another person. I, who... I, I, and then you've got you've got the uh, the big bad of the uh, of the episode, uh... Hugh, Hugh Hamilton. Hugh, Hugh Hamilton. Hamilton. So yeah, she's assistant to this maverick, sort of like grouchy veteran columnist by the name of Hugh Hamilton. And I will say the scene where she goes into Hugh Hamilton's office and she's pitching ideas to him mm. and he's rebuffing everything and just sort of mocking how sort of naive and optimistic she is, that's actually quite good. And yeah. There's actually quite a lot of laughs. I think you could take this premise, completely divorce it from any connection to Clarissa. Yes, yeah. You could take this premise, you could move the format around a bit to aim it at teens and young adults... Uh, and maybe even older. Yeah. 
partic- and particularly that Hugh Hamilton character and it, him being juxtaposed with naivety and innocence of Clarissa. Mm. Except not, you say not yeah, you're yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. A, a young like girl wannabe journalist, you know, sort of, well, sort of coming in, and you could you could make that work, but the sort so the premise and that that uh, Hugh Hamilton character is, you know, sort of has potential, but not for the not for a kids show. Yeah, yeah it's it's. I, I feel like this show has got one character too many, and that one character is Clarissa. She doesn't. She's yes. not needed yeah. in the show. You're, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> because, because, <laughs> yeah. Because Spencer Armstrong, he's he's the curtain dweller. He's he's sort of like her rival as such. He's he's pretty much the character you'd expect Clarissa to be as such. Yeah. Like, so if you took her, if you took Clarissa out of it, you've got yourself the the workings of a New York newspaper sitcom. Yeah, and the fact that they're all terrible people could almost sort of be a comment on that world. Yeah. And she she Ooh. ruin she ruins the 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 character Clarissa ruins this the potential that this show has, I think. Yeah, you you you're quite right actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I I think there is potential here but oh, but only if you don't make it an addition to Clarissa. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Take take all all her association out, and you've got the workings of a show that, left to its own devices, could do well. You have time to develop your characters, but because they've all been made to uh, intimidate and to react to things that Clarissa says, yeah, they don't work as characters. It's not a bad premise or a bad script. It's just completely wrong for what it's meant to be, yeah. and that's why it didn't work, and that's why it was never picked up. Yeah, I think I think we've all said what we need to say about <laughs> yeah. this now. I mean, this character, Hugh Hamilton character, has potential to be a a good character. I think he's got some funny lines. He's yeah. he's, he's the character you'd expect to be this uh, again. Going back to the word crusty, yeah. uh, writer, uh, this big shot. But I mean, the show would work better if it was about him once being hot shot and trying to get back to his former glory days. But yeah. instead, in this episode. He comes back to his, his glory days just because he takes Clari- the piss out of Clarissa, and Clarissa was there. So, kind of similar to Baywatch Nights, how everyone relies on Mitch Buchanan. Mitch Buchanan is is the man. It's kind yeah. of in this the make out that Clarissa, just this eighteen year old girl who's been in New York for twenty four hours, is the savior of mankind. Yeah, I mean, again, you could take Clarissa out, and it could have been the assistant. Well, what? We, well, yeah, what I was thinking again. It's weird how this is sort of giving us sort of um, sort of you know. Food for thought, but you know, if you had maybe close to be slightly older, which I think you would be, I don't think you would yeah. get an internship at 18, you'd have to go to college. Mm. Uh, you'd have to either be 21, 21, you'd either have to be doing a course or have just graduated. Yeah, I, I've already got a backstory. She was there, she she wrote a column for her high school paper. Well, she, she edited the high school no, paper. No, 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 she worked her way up to editor, yeah, so she knew everything. She even did the photographs, she, she yeah. eventually ended up running the entire thing. Then when she was at college, she she instantly became, you know, worked her way up again. You've got that whole backstory there, and yeah. then comes into this dingy, dark New York newspaper office, and is and sort she's of nobody. And she's yeah. nobody, but she's still educating all of them on the new techniques that could be used. Yeah, as they're all back in the past. Yeah, and if, if if over the during the course of a series, she brought new life into this newspaper yeah. uh, company, then great. But. She brings new life into it instantly, and it's yeah. just unbelievable and unrelatable. Yeah, but it's because it's a kids' show, and they need to work that quickly. But yeah. it's because the concept is is too great for the environment that it's in. There's many ways you could go. Yeah, but the way they've gone is just dire. Not the way. I don't think even Melissa Joan Hart could have played that role. It's it's too similar to, well, you know, she's trying to bring Clarissa in the show, being Clarissa in this. 
format of the show just didn't work. And that, yeah. no, that wasn't Clarissa though. No, no, it was just yeah, it was just a stock a stock character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a stock team character. It, yeah, yeah, the only Clarissaism she says she's talking to talking to camera. That's yeah. that's it. And yeah, there was no sense of trying to overcome something or find a new way of getting around it or or having those fun conversations or eccentric sort of moments on screen. It was just Clarissa with her sort of snarkiness. She has more cynicism as a 13-year-old. Yes! <laughs> and more yeah. sort of streetwiseness than she does as an 18-year-old. It's Yeah, it's not the same character. Yeah. It's not the same character. Yeah. It's so... uh, granted, we've only seen two episodes, <laughs> but it's not the same character. <laughs> I, I remember enough about Clarissa and the tone of the show from being a kid that yeah. that's yeah. not Clarissa. Yeah, it's... Um... So really, I mean, the, the, the reason why this show didn't continue, but it fell from the pilot, is because it wasn't Clarissa. And in the context, it could never have been Clarissa. It was something else completely. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it didn't work. Maybe under uh, different circumstances, uh, different network, but ultimately remove Clarissa out of it, and you've got the because, foundations yeah. of of a, a sitcom that could have worked. Maybe that, that script was lying on the floor of, of the writer's room, and someone picked it up, read it, and went... Actually, why don't we just put Clarissa in this? Well, yeah, I mean that happens quite a bit with films. Um, Ten Cloverfield Lane is that? What yeah, it's yeah, called? Ten Cloverfield yeah, Lane. Yeah, um, that was just a sci-fi script, and somebody was like, "Oh, this is really good. I think I think we should make it." But how are we going to sort of draw people to it? Oh, we'll pretend it's part of Cloverfield, yeah. even though it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's so ultimately, I think that's what we've we've had quite an intelligent discussion about a show that was quite difficult to watch and we didn't like, but it's it's. I feel we've had a very good, very lengthy, yeah, that, deeply that, discussion about it. That's the most earnest television <laughs> criticism we've ever done. Um, probably we, the most sort of... Um, we usually just laugh it off. Yeah. Quite seriously. This time we couldn't. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it was a genuine feeling of, you know, like Baywatch Nights is irredeemable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Utterly irredeemable. Clarissa is, you can see why, you know, the original Clarissa show, you can see why people enjoyed it, but it's almost too childish to enjoy as an adult yeah. and Sabrina is just a good show yeah. for the most part, it's had some bad episodes but what we've watched so far we've enjoyed this you just kind of, you just felt you felt sorry for it, you felt disappointed because you could see what they were trying to do and you could see what elements would have worked and they just didn't Yeah, every character and every plotline in that pilot was based around Clarissa and if you take her out of it, it still works you, you could have worked completely yeah. fine without it. So I'd like to thank uh, my colleague to the left who's uh, stuck with me through the whole thing. It's Mr. Graham Lally. You're welcome. <laughs> well, you know, it's nice to, to have some, uh, some we consistency. Expect, we expect me to walk out halfway through. <laughs> now that's my job. Yeah, We've established this. Yeah, yeah well... I'm out! <laughs> I'm out! Well, well, going over to my colleague on the right, thank you very much, Chris, for staying through the entire thing as well. I, well, to be perfectly honest with you, I haven't got a choice. You've strapped me into this chair. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and uh, me, Phil Dean, I'd like to thank you for uh, listening to the show. Uh, we'll have more of our special extra credit shows coming up in the future in between season two so until then make every little thing you do be magic sunshine of my life yeah that's why i'll always be around boy he sure knows a lot of love you songs you are the apple of my eye yeah